Hello, everybody. Welcome to First Pop Culture. My name is Richard. With me is Johnny. Yes, sir. And Greg. Hello. Gentlemen, we have a jam-packed show to talk about this week, um, including Talk of the Greatest Showman, mascots, mascots that are <laughs> creepy. I think we can just like, we can like, all-encompassing. I think mascots are an interesting conversation. I would also like to give our top three favorite mascots. Uh, mesh routers. And Greg is going to reveal his Chelsea beef that I do not remember at all. <laughs> no, 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 this beef is with Richard about yeah. Chelsea. Don't I, don't get it twisted. It's not. I'm mad at Chelsea. I was mad. Hold on. I was mad at Chelsea. I was, I was mad at Richard. So I just, think you were mad at Chelsea too, but I don't know. No, no, I wasn't mad at Chelsea. We'll get it. We'll get into that. So just before we get going, Richard, you did just mention we're going to get into like some. Maybe some basic like technological advice or guidance for people, just because I know it's it's one of those things where if you're trying to improve your home network, everyone's working from home now right now. I think it would be kind of nice. You both have a fair amount of shared background in the tech industry, which is kind of cool. I know I have personally benefit from your conversations over the years. I don't understand what any of it means, but that's okay because my things work. And if they don't, I'm like, hi, what do I do before I go with the Fonz approach and just start smashing things. Um, so when you mentioned the network, what we're going to do is just give you guys a little bit of a heads up on how to better network your home situation that hopefully you'll be able to not drop out on your Zoom calls, assuming you don't have Canadian internet that is run on Hamster Wheel. It's true. I like the fact that you actually cut out a tiny bit between Hamster and Wheel. It really just underscored the point. <laughs> it was there was a little bit of a lag. It's it's early. the The nutrition that he had for breakfast hasn't kicked in, so he's still getting into like steady. He hasn't reached steady state yet. We're still yeah, working if, on it. If you ever actually like, if you're ever listening to Johnny and you're like, "Wow, it seems like he just kind of stopped talking," and now Richard feels like he's vamping for two minutes, it's because Johnny's <laughs> going to get some baby carrots to feed into the hamster cage. <laughs> uh it's <clears throat> it's it's a thing man uh, i took your advice i just started putting uh mountain dew in his water supply <laughs> oh that's do that right before the show but i'm just gonna give you a heads up about two o'clock you're gonna have an issue i i'm i'm getting a solid 30 download now because of the added caffeine to the hamster's diet <laughs> <laughs> at two o'clock the poor little hamster's just laying there passed out for three hours you're having to spin the wheel manually with your finger to get online <laughs> it's like that episode of doom patrol that's how i'm keeping everything alive is just like hand crank like i'm grinding flour right now <laughs> okay so uh, let's go ahead. You know, let's, let's go ahead and start off with Greg revealing his Chelsea beef because I'm interested. And if it's beefy enough, it's going to be a real interesting rest of the show. <laughs> right. Well, it's, I obviously I've let this go. It's not that big of deal, but it was a big deal to me at the time. <laughs> I've let this go. I've just harbored feelings about it for three and a half years. <laughs> well, if I, if it was a problem, I would have addressed it because in the end it all worked out. So do you, do you remember before we bought the Chelsea tickets, what I told you. 
This is I remember important. a lot of things being told to me. <laughs> well, hold on. But, what was the uh, one thing that I wanted to do there in London? Go see a Chelsea game. And I was right. like, I, I was fully supportive of that. Right. So when I, when I addressed it, I was like, Hey, bef- like when we buy these tickets, they go on sale this date. We have to purchase a membership five to seven business days before we buy the tickets. Okay. If I, I vaguely remember, I think I bought my membership five to seven days before. We you bought, bought it three days before the membership, not five to seven. You know how I know? Because when I went to buy the tickets, we had they were we were at, we were at the half, about fifteen to eighteen rows up, two tickets, great seats. But when I tried to add you because you gave me permission to add you as a friend to to, to buy it, they said you were ineligible to buy tickets. Do you remember this now? Vaguely. Do you remember what you had to do to get those two tickets? Didn't I have to buy them? You had to you had to buy them, but you had to call London. Yeah. To buy them. It was, but you know how frustrating how frustrating it was for me when the one thing I wanted was this. And I had everything was set up. Mine was all ready to go. I could buy one ticket. I nearly bought one ticket, Richard. And I was just going to go by myself. But luckily enough, I had faith in you. It's like I was so mad that I didn't get the tickets that I wanted. But obviously, I got over it very quick because I got tickets because we got the tickets and we got good tickets. Yeah, we got good tickets. But they were not as good as the ones I had. And I was annoyed that you t- it took you like you just didn't do what I asked you to do. I was so because I like I, if I would have missed that game, man. Oh, I've been pissed. I would have paid five hundred dollars. for a The fact there. that you think that I would have let you. miss Oh, that no, no, game no, no, no. It is absurd. Well, it's the it was the initial annoyance. <laughs> OK, but <laughs> that's really all it was. It was I just want to lay this out. Yeah. If a website requires you to buy a membership to buy tickets for something. It shouldn't take them three days to process that membership. I that, I know, but going into it, you knew it takes five to seven days. <laughs> That's the problem. Eh, I'm, I still, told you, I'm still leaning towards Chelsea's the fucked up one here. Okay. There are thousands and thousands of people that abide by those rules. You're not special. That's the problem. <laughs> Okay, we both know that's horseshit. My mom has always told me that I'm special. Right. That's why you wear a helmet and everything, but that's different. <laughs> this is very specific to me seeing a Chelsea match. That's what I had a problem with. See, I told you it wasn't like a massive deal, but it was just in that moment. I have never been more mad at one person in my life. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go ahead and defend myself with a couple things right now. First off, you say that you're you're past it, but there's still a level of ice in every word coming out of your mouth. Oh, yeah. There's a level of ice, but it's very like, you know, I'm an emotional person. So that's what it comes down to when I go because I can feel that pain right now, Richard. There's nothing you can do to take that pain away from me right now. But we went to the match. I we know. Had a great time. I, I know. I had an amazing time. Exactly. But the, the issue was, it still doesn't change the fact. A very simple thing wasn't done. It was the emotional terrorism that led to right. the match that he takes issue with. Right. The match, everything, everything that happened, all well, minus everything with my son, but everything else that happened on that trip was amazing. 
So, but I can still have that little, that little stab in the heart. Cause when I was like, Oh, <laughs> you know what it is? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I'm okay. sorry. I'm sorry, Greg. Okay. I, I was not trying to cause you a heartache and pain that has festered for three and a half years. Okay. See, I'm still going to, it's still going to hurt. <laughs> But we, we went to the match. <laughs> that's absolute, it all worked out. That's not but, your absolution. But you, don't, eight, you don't get absolved because you went. Eight, there's eight to ten hours from my the time I didn't know if I was going to get tickets. Well, like I need that time, Richard. Like, oh, that's, that's okay. Hard. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It was not eight to ten hours. Uh, I went to bed, and I don't remember I talked talking to you until after ten. You went to bed at like five a.m. Yeah. It was, <laughs> Because I, I knew what was going to happen. Because we we were trying to buy tickets at three, right? I don't remember three or four. I don't remember. Yeah, all blur together. Okay, See, I was so, so riled up, I couldn't go to bed for an hour. So <laughs> let, let's let, let, let's talk about this just a tiny bit. Um, one of the things that's kind of interesting, and it's just a difference between like the U.S. and and British, um, is they put tickets on sale for stuff in really weird blocks. Oh yeah. Like right now you could go buy tickets for, I want to say almost every Reds game next year, except for, I think opening day. And when the Reds put tickets on sale, aside from opening day, they are just like, Hey, by the way, general on sale for games, you know, two to one sixty two is on this day. This was in like late January, early February. They sell they sell them exactly like an exact amount of days from the exact date that the game starts. Right. So it's like it's, 45 days before the game. But it's just one of those things where it's just, it's really weird that like, again, you know, this, the premier league season starts in what? November, September, September. Okay. Sorry. Uh, so the premier league season starts in September. You would think that like sometime in August, they'd be like, Hey guys, here are the tickets for the year. Go buy them. But instead, and I guess it worked out to our advantage in this case, uh, because it meant they weren't sold out far in advance. But instead, you know, they they sell them in these blocks. Because I I want to say that the games for like a week later were also going on sale around the same time. Yeah, what they know, what they do, and they they do this specifically to make sure that all the tickets cannot be sold out, right? So if you're coming, if you're traveling to the country and you want to watch it, there's like three to 4,000 tickets in the stadium that don't go on sale for season tickets. There's a, there's like a 15 year waiting list to get season tickets, just like with green Bay football and stuff. Right. So it's a very hard thing. There's also sections that are a section that's for the, uh, the incoming teams fans. So like if Chelsea's playing Arsenal, there's, a couple thousand or 2000 tickets or 2,500 tickets in a very certain area. That's only Arsenal fans. So Chelsea can't sell those. They're allocated to Arsenal. Arsenal sells those. So Arsenal gets that money for those tickets when they come play at Stamper bridge. So, but Chelsea does the same thing so they can have people that want to come that can't buy season tickets. It basically prevents people from uh, kind of reselling tickets like it's it's hardly impo- it's nearly impossible to resell tickets for an EPL team because of the way that they require them to do it. Like Chelsea, if you need if, if we couldn't have made right. that match, say if I would have bought that ticket, 
And then if we couldn't have made that match, I have to say, hey, Chelsea, can you swap this for somebody else or sell it for me? And they'll sell it on their own site. Right. So it just and that's it makes sure his owner makes sure his ownership of the ticket goes to the right person. And that's one of the things that I that's another one of the things that I find kind of interesting is, you know, in the US we have resale markets. And part of the reason that you have resale markets in the US, part, very small part, is because, you know, if someone can't go to a game or whatever, they need a way to get rid of that ticket. Um, over, you know, overseas, tickets are fully refundable up until like the time of the show. Yeah. So that's, it's just one of those things that I found like really kind of an interesting difference. Um, and it's, it's something I, to be honest, I would really love to see adopted here in the U S because I have definitely had points where I've not been able to go to something and I've just been left with like, okay, I've got this ticket. And now I have to be out of town or now my wife has to be out of town or whatever. Um, huh. And then I end up having to sell it on StubHub because I'm not going to eat the ticket. So it's interesting that you guys bring this up this week specifically. Because, Richard, I'm not sure if you were paying attention this week, but they did announce that AEW is going to bring fans back to Daily Place. They did. And I actually meant that I meant to bring that up as well. So it's it's cool because... I'm thinking just due to the ties that the Khan family has to football over in Europe, I'm curious to see if AEW is going to take that approach. Well, they... Because um, he's... Tony Khan is pissed. Because yeah, the reason I, they were doing this is to allow family to have an opportunity or really close... Whoever your bubble network is right now, They've opened up tickets for those people specifically where you can go to an event now, but you're sitting with the people who you spend 95% of your time with. Right. But what's happened is that the secondary market has scooped all those tickets up and they started reselling them at a profit because I feel real bad that scalpers haven't had stuff to be able to steal from in the last little while. Yep. And so here's, here's the thing. Um, there is a quick and easy way that this can be remedied. Uh, and I don't think that I talked about this on the show, but I did talk to you guys about this a little bit. You know, I took the wife and we went to see Dave Chappelle a couple weeks ago. Right. Uh, and Dave has been doing something similar. He has been doing shows here in Yellow Springs, Ohio, out in a literal cornfield that serves as a wedding venue. Um, and, not to get into kind of all of the details of it, but they go out of their way to make it socially distanced. Mm-hmm. Um, it is ridiculously cool how they have it set up. Um, you go in, you don't have to be within six feet of anyone else. Everyone is required to wear a mask properly. There's mask enforcement. Uh, all the comedians are tested when they come into town, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, they, they go out of their way to do things the proper way. But one of the things that they do that has made it so that these tickets are damn near impossible to scalp is all tickets are will call. And when they say will call, what they really mean is there is a dude standing in the cornfield wearing a mask with a clipboard that has the name of every ticket purchaser on it. You have to show him an ID with your name on it or you don't get in. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know... There, Dave is selling, I want to say, around 400 tickets total, uh, sold only in pairs. 
So you're talking about basically 200 names on a list. They pull up, they get checked, they're in. The cons are, are currently selling 10% capacity of daily plays, which is around 500 people. There is no reason they couldn't do the same. No, and, and I think it's, I, I think you're going to see an adjustment. So it's, I don't see them sticking to the model as is right now. Um, I am curious to see how that is going to work. It doesn't surprise me that they're testing bringing people back, considering they are nine, uh, yeah, two weeks today. Two weeks today is all out. So yeah, it doesn't it's... shock me that they're trying to build to having people at the show. It makes me laugh a little bit because I love that they announced this after the Thunderdome announcement where people were going to be able to be in the crowd via a screen. Well, so those are just, those are two very different approaches. Um, and the thing is, I don't fault either of them. No, not uh, at all, man. I'm not saying that anyone's right in this scenario, but it's, I love the chess match. And for people to say like, that's not happening. It is a hundred percent happening. It's been going on probably more since the pandemic started because they've been trying to jockey for position. The most notable example was the camera angles for dynamite. They were very set at having like a full on shot of the stage in the ring because it eliminates what? the lack of people in the crowd, but it includes right. the people on the rails. And all of a sudden, sorry, Mr. Brenneman, um, what you have is WWE turns around and starts messing with their angle shots to be able to replicate that. Well, I mean, it, just to go into that, it, it all started with AEW putting wrestlers in the crowd. They did that prior to, uh, they did that prior to WWE, and then WWE did it at one, like a week or two late. But hang on to this. Greg? Yeah. So it's nice to have crowd noise, right? Uh, For like sporting events, like it's yeah, nice to have I mean, crowd it's, noise. It's not amazing, but soccer is kind of funky. So wrestling is similar to football a little bit in that the crowd is a little bit more interactive than you would find in like hockey or baseball, like outside of the yeah. wave. Baseball is not a really interactive thing. But with wrestling, like you get the chance, you get like on the fly. I'll send you a couple videos of like the European wrestling fans with their chance, and I think you're going to be like, "Oh yeah, it's just." I mean, this is the way they are. That's just how. Yeah, that's how Europeans are. But what's funny is that the point of having the people in the crowd is for atmospheric noise, so that it's not just dead air, right? Mm-hmm. Richard just mentioned that WWE turned around and put people in the crowd like some of the other wrestlers and stuff. Do you want to know what else they did? Wow. They put up plexiglass walls in front of all those people. Have you ever tried to talk through plexiglass? It doesn't work. <laughs> so now what they did, and I, I, to a degree, I get why they did it. But at the same time, like if everyone's shut in and they're working in what is their bubble. <laughs> the whole yeah, point was to have the extra noise. And now you just stopped it. The the, the problem is that they're not. It, it, a big part of the problem with 
the pandemic in general is you have to trust everyone else around you. Mm -hmm. And that's like, even, you know, I mentioned that we went to the Dave Chappelle show. The only reason that I felt comfortable with that was I did a meticulous amount of reading on the protocols before we went. Yeah. And I knew that I would not have to be within six feet of anyone else. And I would, and everyone there would be required to have a mask because there are people that take this seriously. And then there are people that don't. And as long as I don't have to be exposed to those people that don't, I'm okay with it. Yep. But when you're talking about, for example, the NXT wrestlers they've been peppering the crowd with, you're talking about a bunch of people who are largely in their twenties and thirties who have been known as a group. And I'm not saying them, I'm just saying people in their twenties and thirties to not entirely take this seriously. Oh, that's the majority of our cases here. It's almost 70%. Yeah. So (laughs) I, 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 I find it hard to fault the WWE for putting up the plexiglass because I understand what they were trying to do. They're trying to make sure that the people that are out there aren't infecting the people that are in the ring. But at the same time, it's uh, if that's going to be the case, just don't have the people there because they're not doing what you expected them to be able to do. So I just thought it was kind of funny. And it's I find it interesting that there's going to be a change. And I think it's been way too long since they decided to do it. And I don't particularly like the fact that there is a secondary market. I think, Greg, as you said, Chelsea controls who the tickets go to. Yeah, maybe there's a little more overhead, but there's not going to be that resentment from the people who are literally paying your bills. Oh, I I would be 100% fine with the ticket market going away entirely. Yeah. Yep. Um, but it's just it's we're just not there. Well, and the- here's my thing on that real quick. Right now is the perfect time to do it. Yeah. Like literally blow it all up, yep. set it all up, like get it the way you want it, and then tell the people that are having the problem with it to shove off. That's yeah. just how it works. You know, if if the Reds did that, like the biggest issue too is the demand for a Chelsea ticket versus demand for a Reds ticket. Well, you know, the biggest issue to be completely honest, at least in my opinion is in the U S stopping the scalpers. Yeah. Well, I mean, if right now is the perfect time to blow it up, like literally they could do the same thing that they could make them like, Hey, if you want to buy a ticket, you got to buy it from us here. Yep. Yeah. But how do you stop that? The same way Chelsea does. How? You require them to buy a name. You can only buy one ticket per name. Like, literally, I can't buy yeah, two but, tickets. Right, but you have to buy a membership to buy a ticket. Yeah. I guess the the difference is, well, it, to a certain extent, it does come down to the demand. Um, but the difference is, is that if I'm talking about, for example, the Reds, you know, there are a lot of fans that go to one or two games a year. And uh, are more than happy to buy, for example, a $20 ticket. Am I going to be okay with buying a $30 membership to buy that $20 ticket? Does it go back to the community fund? I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with that. Okay, you would be fine with that. Mm -hmm. But me, as a father who has a wife and daughter, my cost to get in just went up from $60 for that one game to $150. 
Is it only membership for one person? It's one no. per you have to buy a membership for each person. Oh, I mean is it's, now is that good for the rest of the season? Yeah, it, it is. It's for a whole year. I, if it's I'm, if it's something re- like let's be totally honest, well, how much money do people spend on like coffee during the you know what I mean? Like it's it's that old argument. It's like really look at where you spend your money. For me to be able to be like, okay, well, that means I'm not gonna like this week that I would normally get a pizza, which is for us, well, for me, when I get an extra large, it's usually about 25 bucks with the delivery fee, everything. It's about 30 bucks to get an extra large pizza. If I'm giving that up so that I have access to buy tickets to a team that I love to be able to go see, and I know that that money is going to be put back into the community where I would normally donate that money, or take your donations that you make every year and account for that. Now, just to touch on it a little, a little further, um, scalping of soccer tickets in the UK is actually illegal. Yeah. It oh, is, it should it, absolutely be illegal it is, here, it is but they're full, never going to do it. Yeah, it, it is full on illegal. And that's that's why that's, you know, Chelsea doesn't really have to put in scalping bans or anything like that because it's already done for them by the government. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the difference. Um, I don't know. I, it, you're not you're never going to see a team be able to figure out a way to make something like that illegal because a lot of scalpers here in the U.S. have season tickets. Those scalpers would be just as fine turning around and signing up their entire family for memberships at $30 or $50, whatever the cost is, and buying those season tickets under those membership names. So just and make it more work for the resellers. Every time they go to resell, they have to be able to, their name needs to be on the transaction or the transfer. The The easiest thing, quite frankly, at least in my opinion, would be you can do one of two things. Uh, either A, when you buy your ticket, you get in with your phone, which they have. The MLB has been going towards quite a bit recently. Uh, I think that's pretty almost. That's almost exclusively what they've done for uh, Toronto Blue Jays now as well. Or B, and this is the, your other option: you pick up your ticket at will call, and you have to show the ID. And that could be done a lot easier than trying to institute a membership policy or something like that. Uh, and that can be done without causing a specific like heartache to families who would probably not go if you tacked a thirty dollars charge onto all the rest of their tickets once a year. It's not an easy change, but I think it's something that probably needs to be looked at pretty seriously over the next little I, while. I uh, trust me; I don't have a problem with getting rid of scalpers. It's I, I I hate I hate scalpers. I mean, I, a- Amy last year uh, came to me and she was like, "Hey, for Christmas, I really want to go see Harry Styles in Chicago next year." Mm-hmm. Actually, she didn't say Chicago specifically. I ended up finding Chicago because yep. tickets went on sale, um, and I ended up finding tickets in Chicago. But I ended up paying I want to say like over double face value for these tickets. Because that was all I could get. And even then it was just like, wow, this is really freaking rough. Yeah. Uh, sure would have been nice if you brought this up to me before they went on sale. 
but here's the bigger issue. That concert was supposed to be last month. Yeah. It is now officially happening in the summer of 2021 for now. Mm-hmm. Um, if they happen to cancel that concert, I have no idea how I'm getting my money back because yeah. Ticketmaster on all the things that they've canceled has been saying they are sending money back to original ticket purchasers. <laughs> so is this guy just getting my, if I remember correctly, $480 plus his money back? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to fight with StubHub. And I don't see it being a fun fight. Well, you know what they say, Richard. There's a sucker born every minute. Yeah. And speaking of. <laughs> who came up with that line? Falsely credited, but yeah, who's that line credited to? We are going to move into our conversation on The Greatest Showman. So I didn't actually realize that's who the the musical was about. I didn't read the synopsis. The name of it and the picture on the front didn't tell you? I just clicked play, dude. I don't care about that stuff. I'm done, man. That's why I don't watch trailers anymore. I don't want to know anything before I see a film. I don't. Just let me go in and watch it. I, I, I just like the idea that, like, you're watching the movie and, like, at the beginning when he introduces himself as Phineas T. Barnum... Or Phineas T, and you're just like, who the fuck's Phineas T? Uh, I think the first time they even mentioned his, like, second name, I was like, holy hell. And that was awesome. That was, like, a cool moment for me to, like, realize what this was about and then have an appreciation. See? We... This whole thing with having to know everything before we see a film, I think has spoiled films for a lot of people. And I have actually enjoyed movies more now... That I have stopped watching the trailer, stopped doing the review, like all that pre-information, unless it's DC, because I don't really give a shit. But with everything else, going in without any expectation has been the best thing I have started doing with movies. Speaking of DC, we are recording this as Fandom is currently going on. We will not be talking about Fandom this week, but I fully suspect we'll be talking about Fandom next week. What a god-awful event name. Yeah... But that doesn't know. matter. We'll 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 get into that next week. I'm not going to hijack what was probably one of my favorite films that I've seen in the last couple of years. And it's not even close. Okay. Well, uh so you know what? I've seen this movie no less than a dozen times. I'm sure Greg has seen it more than a couple times. Let's go ahead and get a different perspective of it from Johnny, who had his first viewing last night. So, as I just mentioned, I had zero understanding what this film was about. And it was actually kind of funny because about, I want to say 15 minutes in, I mentioned it. And now she's like, I wanted to ask, but I didn't want to ask just in case I was wrong. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that's who this is about. And then me being the ever-prepared individual I am, immediately on my phone, or no, it was on my laptop, I brought up P.T. Barnum's Wikipedia page. Because I'm like, okay, I would kind of like to know how this ends, because I don't like the shock endings. Oh, okay. (laughs) 
Thankfully, they did not go into any of that. Um, the musical numbers, man, were I. How did Ashley describe it? I haven't stopped smiling for two hours. I think is the best nice. way to describe this. Um, it was just good, man, and it never ceases to amaze how talented Hugh Jackman is. Now, as a little bit of a background on this, we got the Broadway app earlier this year, and we watched Hugh Jackman in his, I think it was his first big production for Oklahoma. Okay, I say Oklahoma. So it's funny because we go back and we watch him in Oklahoma, and like you could kind of see a little bit, like he's just, he's just one of those guys. And then to see him in this, which I believe, what did I read? He spent 10 weeks prepping for this film just for the dance choreography. And I figured we'd talk about that a little bit. Well, Um, one thing I just linked, Johnny, um, this is the behind the scenes shot or the, uh, the final table read or the, of this is me from the girl that sung it chills. Just yeah. you watch that video because you can see, like, it's crazy. The oh, only yeah. person who didn't sing their parts in this was the woman that played Jenny Lind. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who also, if you have seen it, was in the last Mission Impossible movie and is signed on for the next two. What else has she been in, though? Because I recognize her from something else as well. Uh, it she's been in a few things and she is actually, she, she's very good. Um, actually she's been in the last two mission impossible movies. She was also in Dr. Sleep. Oh, I didn't see that. What else has um, she been in? The Keep kid who would be King men <laughs> nope. in black international. Nope. Um, the girl on the train. Nope. Um, <laughs> Hercules with a rock. Yep, that would have been it. Okay. For for me, anyway. Like, I'm not saying she wasn't in all those other films. It's just, as far as anything she's been in, that's probably the one that I recognized her from. Which is kind of funny. She actually, according to this, did perform a song for Dr. Sleep. That's so weird. So she didn't do uh, it for the other film. Yeah, which, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know Rebecca Ferguson. Um, yeah. I just I I always find that whole idea to be kind of funny. Like you know, you go to an actor or actress and you're like, okay, um, <laughs> we're going to have you act in this, and this is going to be a part of a singer. And they're like, great, I can sing. And they're like, no. Which, by the way, Zendaya, hell yeah, good on you. Yeah, that was um, talking so- about people who just never cease to stop like blowing me away with their level of talent she even did a like most of her own stunts in that film yep zendaya and zach zach efron i think both really really shined in this movie oh for sure Um, and i i say that like the whole cast really shined in this movie yeah but i feel like if you if you went into this movie uh, so like me i went into this movie already a big fan of hugh jackman I didn't have anything against Zendaya, but I wasn't like, oh my God, Zendaya's in this. Um, and same thing with like Zach Efron. I didn't have anything against Zach Efron, but like to me, he was the high school musical kid who then did some other stuff. So 
you know, to watch this movie, it's, it's just like, okay, well, holy shit, you know, these two are ridiculously talented. Yeah. Well, uh, and I mean, you've seen that with Efron, because I think it was the only time he hasn't actually sung was the first high school musical. I, but here's the thing. I don't watch the, I, I was the wrong age for high school music. But I thought, do, do I strike you as a person that was like a big stan of high school music? No, but I did, I did read up on it. And as it turns out, that was the only time where he has not performed himself because he, they, right. they said he just didn't have puberty. <laughs> so right. it's, it's, it's awesome that he's actually been that guy all along. Like he's, I think underrated. And I know that we had that episode where we discussed some of the people who are like the multifaceted, just supremely talented people in the entertainment industry. And I feel like maybe because or in spite of some of the things that Efron has done over the years, that maybe he doesn't get enough credit for what he's capable of. And I and think I... this was a nice jump point for him moving forward, which no, is funny because I... didn't he do the Ted Bundy film after this one? Uh yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, no, no, I don't want this. I want you to dance and play basketball. Stop. <laughs> yeah. You scary as hell oh, new movie. I'm sweating thinking about it. I'm also sweating. It's like 85 degrees in this room. But so it's this, uh this came out around the same time as his Baywatch movie. Those both came out in 2017. Uh but following that, yeah. He basically went straight from that to the Ted Bundy movie. <laughs> um, but it, again, you know, like. That's, that's called range. Say, that's yeah, range. That's, that's not to say that that's a bad thing. It just oh, not at all. He expanded out. Yep. Um, and then from there, he did do the voice of Fred in uh, the new Scooby-Doo. Uh, and he has been announced as appearing in the new Three Men and a Baby movie. Um, for, also, as long as we're touching on Zac Efron, just real quick, uh, Zac Efron just had a documentary series come out on, um, Netflix called Down to Earth with Zac Efron. And it was pretty decent. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's basically just him traveling the world and talking to various people, uh, about their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some cases, he'll focus on like sustainability and stuff like that. But it's him and this other dude who is vegan, uh, who like ve is very heavily influenced on like diet. Um, but what was kind of neat about it is he's sitting there talking to this dude, and this dude would be like, "Yeah, hey, uh, that's a great idea. You should try this dish." And he'd be like, "Oh, what is it?" And it would be like, you know, like boiled mouse testicles or something they do be like i'm not eating it but you should eat it and then he'll make zach eat it hmm. so it was it, it was an interesting series i, I enjoyed it uh, but yeah getting back to it man i mean the cast i think was perfect i did love the i love the chemistry of efron and jackman as well it was one of those things that i you're it's one of those scenarios where you sit there and you're like man i need another movie with these guys together like that's it uh, the height disparity between those two made me laugh a little bit because I feel like Efron's better suited to be a new Wolverine than Jackman was. <laughs> yeah. But like, I could see that. But anyways, um, 
great film, man. I love the story. It was someone that I didn't know a lot about to begin with. So I love that there was some historical relevance. They obviously, it's a film. They're going to take some like creative license with the story as well. Uh, for instance, uh, the Jenny Lynn thing where she kissed him and all that kind of stuff. That never happened. Yeah. So it was, but I get it. It's Hollywood. You have to make films have to be made a very specific way. And if you're lacking any of those moments or those factors, it, it doesn't, it doesn't flow. It doesn't really streamline as well as it could, but seriously, man, uh, all those songs just fantastic all the way through. I didn't have a single issue with this film except, and this is a very minor grievance when he knelt down to speak to the smaller gentleman that they hired to play the part of the war general. Yeah. Uh, that stuff drives me nuts. And for anyone listening right now, if you know someone that is smaller in stature, or you know someone that may be differently abled, having to use like an assistive device to be able to move around, never kneel down or bring it down to their level unless there's an easy way or a respectable way to do it. That is the most god awful thing you can do to anybody who already feels potentially uncomfortable it's it's like a conversation with you guys you just talk you don't have to change your level of height anything like that 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 really irked me that really kind of took me out of the film for a brief moment and i didn't want to mention that moving forward just don't be that person it's 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 not okay it's actually super disrespectful and unless they ask you to just don't so outside of that amazing 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 film definitely going to be re-watching that uh again from now on probably my favorite song in that whole thing because it had a little bit of a mumford and sons vibe to it and mm-hmm. it was just the scene in the bar and the choreography fit probably my favorite song throughout the entire film yeah and that way till you watch the video i linked you from okay. it's a behind the scenes video from like i said the last table read that uh because the the lady that played it the bearded lady wasn't wasn't even scheduled to be in the movie for that so like it's just there's a whole lot of things that were extra that happened that kind of developed with the movie as they saw it because um the guys who did the music the guys like um the guy who wrote the guys who wrote it the guys who did the music kind of let the movie evolve based on the staff that they had so that's like taking, you know, versus like shoehorning people into a certain role. They let it mm. organically grow and look. They what let happened. it breathe. They let right. it breathe. That's a whole thing. It's you can't just mix the stuff in a bowl and be like, poof, bread. You have to let you have to let it organically develop into what it can be. And I think that's maybe where a lot of films fall short now is that they're like, we have to do this, this, this and this. And this is our timeline. This is our time. Like just let some of those weird, funny, quirky things happen because you never know what it's going to lead to. And that character in the film, it, it it brought such a different element. And I mean, I really, one of the really perfect scenes was the critic coming back at the end after, yeah. and spoiler alert for nobody, because I am like three or four years behind on this. Um, the scene where he and the critic were sitting on the step and the critic they had that really just surreal moment where he said like, what you're doing is important, not just 
as a distraction or entertainment, but like to show is everybody being an equal. So that translates into what Barnum did for the rest of his life as well, because he was definitely one of the people it was Connecticut. It was Connecticut, Connecticut, right? Yeah. Where he's from. Cause he ran for mayor. He was an elected, an elected official. The work he, he did the for Connecticut human rights. Congress. Yeah, he, yeah. The work he did for human rights amazing stuff man and i mean i i wish i had known more about it i'm not a big fan of animals being used as props i really hope that they treated the animals well i don't think we have any way to know that now i think that would have been my only other slight grievance but i mean it is a product of the times they just i don't think they knew any better but looking back and appreciating who he was and what he did for everyone was uh it definitely added another layer for me as well, just as someone who really does appreciate people who stand up for everyone else, you know? And to touch on that a little bit, it, I, one of the things I find kind of interesting about it is when this movie came out, there was a lot of people who came out with basically, for lack of a better term, hate against Barnum. You know, there was a lot of, well, P.T. Barnum did this and P.T. Barnum did that. And it's just like, okay, that's all kind of awful shit, but there was a lot of shit he did in his life that was just flat out unpopular at the time that he forced his way through that was right. And one of it was uh, he was a staunch abolitionist. You know, he he wanted to see slavery abolished and he went out yep. of his way to to try to force the issue. Yep. Um, and it's it's one of those things that, you know, they don't touch on too heavily in this movie. Um, but there are subtle nods to it with, you know, the fact that he does hire African-Americans and he treats them, at least in my opinion, as equals. Well, I uh, mean, something that at the time would not have been done. Yes and no. I mean, it was, it was pretty, pretty apparent given the interaction that Efron had with his parents after he went out to the theater with Zendaya's character. Right. And they're like, why are you out with the help? You know what I mean? And I mean, it's. I I do appreciate and I am thankful that they have that, especially given the current political climate. I think it's super important. Um, there's another show that we're going to touch on next week that kind of uses that that recently came out as well. But I mean, for me, this this film, man, it's give not even just the genre. I, I think this is as close as you could get to a perfect film with what they did and what they achieved. Even the cinematography, like everything was just so well. And Michelle Williams, man. Can we can we just be thankful for Michelle Williams? Because her limited screen time, she made you empathize with her so much and so easily. Like she's I, I really hope that moving forward, Hollywood really appreciates the gravity of an actor like Michelle Williams. And I I hope the roles and the <laughs> the financial windfall reflect that as well. I don't think Hollywood has ever stopped um, appreciating Michelle Williams. Um, Michelle Williams came out of this um, and, it, you know, she has always kind of been, I don't know how to put it, but like, she does what she wants. Yeah. Which... You know, that's kind of what that's that's what you want to be able to do. 
Um, but it means that she does. It's when you look at like her career, it's almost like the um, the joke from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back when Affleck and Damon are arguing with each other and they talk about doing the safe picture, then doing the art picture, then sit, doing the safe picture, doing the art picture, and they start you know ripping on each other's movies. Mm-hmm. You know that's kind of what she does. You know, you go back, you look like she was in Oz the Great and Powerful, then she was in something called Sweet Frances. Uh, then she was in Manchester by the Sea. Then she was in, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and she was in this. She followed it up with a movie I've never heard of called I Feel Pretty. And then she followed it up with Venom. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, going forward, she's also in Venom 2. Um, so that kind of seems to be her thing. You know, she, I, I don't think that and I, I don't know Michelle Williams agent. So maybe I'm speaking out of turn here. But I don't think it's something where Hollywood has turned her down for shit as much as she's just like, I have no desire to do that. Right. Um, that, that being said, I thought she was great in this movie. Yeah. Um, now, I, I put a couple polls out there uh, regarding favorite songs from Greatest Showman. And I put one on Twitter and I put one on the Greatest Showman subreddit because my Twitter is not generally paid as close attention to by people who watch The Greatest Showman as The Greatest Showman subreddit is. Uh, So Twitter limits you to only being able to toss on four songs. Well, four items on a poll. So the four that I put on Twitter were From Now On, The Greatest Show, This Is Me, and Never Enough. Uh, Of which, This Is Me got 50% of the vote. Uh, and I had a few people who were basically saying, why is the other side not on there? And the answer was, uh, <laughs> because is, whereas it is my favorite song, I didn't think it would be a lot of other people's favorite song. Yeah. Uh, the more interesting results, just because of the sheer number of votes were from the greatest showman subreddit. Uh, there were 92 votes and it is virtually a four way tie. Uh, I put six songs on there I also added The Other Side and A Million Dreams okay Um, so From Now On got 21 votes The Greatest Show got 19 votes The Other Side got 18 and A Million Dreams got 17 Hmm. Um, and then Never Enough got 6 and This Is Me got 11 I I find it kind of interesting because like, you know, when you look at the overall soundtrack, um, you know, at about the one third mark of the movie, Come Alive comes on and Come Alive is a very good song. And I firmly believe that in most musicals, it would be a showstopper that would close out the first half of the musical. Yeah. But it's just not that in this. And it's because you have so many other incredibly strong songs that come from it. And I, I don't know, like, I just, I find it to be really interesting when you look at the, the soundtrack, like come alive, like I said, should be like, it, it should be like a great song, but it's immediately followed by the other side that in my opinion, just outshines it. Yeah. Twice over. 
And then when you're like, wow, the other side was great. Can't possibly top that. They're like, oh, by the way, here's never enough. <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit. Yep. Didn't mean, I'm, I'm 99% sure that we brought up uh, how I really liked that soundtrack and how it was on the charts for for weeks. Well, it, like so, as an actual album. Yeah it, yeah. It, yeah, it was. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. Greg, what's your favorite song from the soundtrack? Uh, this is me. Okay. It's always been this is me. Well, it's, actually, it's because of that video I linked you, Johnny. Okay. Like, it's if once you watch that video, it kind of changes your perspective on perspective it a little bit. Right. Right. Okay. And just to, I, I don't know, like, I, I started off very heavily enjoying This Is Me, uh, but I liked, similar to Johnny, I think I liked From Now On more initially. Mm-hmm. My only problem with From Now On is the song doesn't jive with how the rest of the movie goes. No, it definitely stands out. Like I said, it's got... No, 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 no. I, I, I don't mean like this, the sound of it and all that other stuff. I mean, you have this big, giant song about how from now on, he's going to take care of the people that have taken care of him. And from now on, he's going to do this, that, and the other thing. And then he turns around and quits. <laughs> <laughs> got him. Like, I, I'm, I'm not trying to knock his. I love the movie. And I, him, you know, basically retiring to go hang out with his family makes sense from a family standpoint, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make sense from the show stopping number that he just did. Yeah. And it's just like, he, you just did a song about how you're going to take care of all these poor people who, you know, <laughs> have looked up to you and. But he did. We, but did, we he, made Zac Efron the lead. Yeah, but Zac. That was a whole plot point of the movie is he had already abandoned them and left Zach Efron in charge. Well, not, but he passed the and, hatchet to Zach Efron. Yeah, I, I know. I just like in, in my opinion, and this is me doing some bad fan fiction here. It would have made more sense if he handed him the hat and he was like, we're working part time from now on, yo. <laughs> I'm taking off weekends. You got it from here. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but like I like I was mentioning a little bit earlier, <clears throat> there's going to be creative license taken with the film. Oh, there's a lot of it with this, but yeah, that absolutely. Said... But I mean, it's you have to because you're trying to tell thirty years worth of a story in two hours. Oh, it, they, they told 40 more years? Than 30 years. 50? Yeah, it's because it started when he was like 10 or 11. Well, I mean, if if, if you really want to get into it, it, it's more than that because he didn't even start the circus until he was 60. Yeah. But that being said, I can I can live with the creative license. As a matter of fact, in my opinion, Barnum, as presented in the movie, would take the same creative license. Yeah. You know, it, his whole thing was. You know, we're yes, we take a lot of creative license with what we do, but we people enjoy it. And we make them smile. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they didn't touch on, you know, the fact that he didn't start the circus until he was sixty, and you know, his kids would have been grown by then, that doesn't bother me. Yeah, like that's that's fine. 
So no, I I did. I I, I really enjoyed it. Um, release on this is a really interesting subject. So when this movie came out, it was a box office bomb. Yeah, that's um, that's shocking to me beyond words. And then it proceeded to have an incredibly long and sustained run that is unlike almost anything seen in a very long time. Do you feel that's a failure on the marketing department then? Yep. Yeah, I think there's a good chance of it. Um, was it Disney that put this out? No. Who was uh, it? Who produced it? Was I, it 20th? I believe, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah of uh, course. Yeah, because at the beginning of the movie, they, they showed the old... 20th Century Fox logo. And now it's just 20th Century Studios because they've rebranded all the intro cinematic. Um, I feel like this got, and I'm not comparing the two films, but Solo was very similar in the sense that it felt like there was no effort to promote this film before it came out beyond here's a commercial during your Saturday afternoon football game. Uh... I feel like, I feel like, Disney and Star Wars dropped the ball on Solo. I feel like they just bailed on that film. But I can't tell you when I first heard about this one. I I heard about this one prior to release, but it was one of those movies that I was like, that looks interesting. But here, here's the thing. Hugh Jackman does a lot of interesting looking, often like period piece movies that make no money whatsoever. And I don't say that as a negative to Hugh, but, you know, it, um, what was the one? Uh, Australia. He did Australia. And it was just like, okay, Australia looks really interesting, came out, made nothing. Uh, and then he did um, he did Pan. Pan was another one where they were like, okay, well, he's playing Blackbeard the Pirate in Pan. Came was, out, made, made no money. What was the... Uh magician film he did why do i always the forget the, the name? prestige yes that was a great movie yeah um and also uh les mis les mis won a lot of awards yeah that was really good so you know when when you look at it like there's a he he does a lot of things to the point where i remember seeing the trailer for this and it's like that looks great it's not gonna make a dime mm-hmm. um so I don't know. When when this came out, it's opening week. It came out the week of Christmas. And I think they probably crapped their pants a little bit mm-hmm. because it opened the Wednesday before Christmas to $2 million, two and a half, and $815 per theater average. Mm-hmm. Um, as it got towards Christmas, it started to inch up a little bit. And it uh, it made its way up to about $5 million on Christmas Day, which, again, I think that they probably crapped their pants a little bit. Uh, because this is a movie that was not cheap to make. Uh, it had an $84 million budget, uh, which is not gigantically expensive, but that's enough that you pretty much need $160 million to $200 million to make that back. And a whole bunch of two and $3 million days isn't generally going to do that. Um, 
However, if we're talking about where it gets really interesting, fast forward from December 20th, one month to January 20th, and it makes $5 million on that Saturday. Yeah. And it's because it had a sustained and prolonged two, three, four, five million dollar a day run. Um, it, I don't think it ever officially had a single day where it was number one, but it was in the top ten from December twentieth all the way until March. 5th, no, March 9th. March 9th was the first day it was not in the top 10. Hmm. And it went from having a very, very rough start to by the time it fell out of the top 10, it had made $166 million in the U.S. alone. Good for them. Uh, It closed out its U.S. run at $174 million. Uh, which it didn't close out its run until June 14th. Um, and in Europe slash international, it ended up bringing in another $260 million for a total worldwide final bow of $434 million. Um, it, it's... I mean, it was the little engine that could of movies. This is a movie that went from, you know, being viewed as a bomb and an abysmal failure to, you know, by the, I mean, the only reason it fell out of the top 10 was I want to say that the Blu-ray came out Mm. either that month or maybe even that week. That's fair. Well, good for them, man. I mean, it's, you want to see films like that succeed because it means that it's, Far more likely that we'll see a follow-up, not to that film, but they're more likely to make another film in that vein if it's going to do well because they know that there's going to be an audience for it. And if they plan on doing more similar to that, I'm 100% on board with that. So I am I am particularly glad that it's one of those things that both Richard, you and Greg uh, recommended to me, and I know that Ashley probably appreciates that as well. Because I know that it's nice every now and then to <laughs> inject some actual craft into the routine, aside from just Star Wars and Marvel. Yeah. Uh, talking about the soundtrack just a tiny bit. Uh, soundtrack is a grand total of 12 tracks. Uh, well, sorry, musical numbers. There are a grand total of 12. I want to say soundtrack. There are only actually 10 because they just meld the two greatest show versions together. Um, and I think they do it again with never enough. I could be wrong on that. Um, the soundtrack did 11 consecutive weeks at number one. It is only the second album in 30 years to spend 11 consecutive weeks at number one. I'm sorry. This is in the UK. Uh, the album reached number one on iTunes in 77 countries. Uh, This Is Me won the Best Original Song at the Academy Awards that year. Uh, And it won a Grammy for Best Compilation Soundtrack for Visual Media at the Grammy Awards. Um, It 
charted incredibly high across the board, uh, including number one positions on looks like one, two, three, four, five, uh, like 13 weekly charts. Uh, the number one position on the Australia, Irish, UK, and US soundtrack charts and billboard charts in some cases for the year. Um, and it ended up on three decade end charts uh, for 2010 to 2019, including the US Billboard 200, the UK album, and the Australia album uh, charts as well positioning at 13, 10, and 21. That is freaking insane. I mean, it, this this movie came out at a time when Spotify was already a thing. Apple Music was already a thing. And in the U.S., it sold 1.7 million copies. In the United Kingdom, it sold 2 million more copies. Um, and just to go past all of that they created multiple versions of the soundtrack, including uh, The Greatest Showman Reimagined. The Greatest Showman Reimagined uh, is the main songs of it re-performed by larger recording artists. Uh, Greatest Show by Panic at the Disco. Uh, This Is Me by Kesha. From Now On by the Zac Brown Band. Uh, Another version of This Is Me that includes uh, Missy Elliott, Never Enough by Kelly Clarkson, and A Million Dreams by Pink are just some of the versions on there. Um, Ridiculously, ridiculously well-performed. Greg, do you have anything else you wanted to say about the soundtrack, buddy? No. Is that it all, man? All right. Uh, yeah. So, hey, Johnny, you have anything else you want to say closing this out? No, I'm, that was it was great, man. I mean, I, I don't even think we have to ask Greg where it is on the sliding scale. We he watched it. I think this <laughs> one gets. A, I think this one gets an actual smile. Yeah, because it's the only movie that Greg has ever bought. I bought more <laughs> movies, but I definitely, it's definitely up there for me. Yeah. And I've been preaching that since I watched it, by the way. Well, that's that's one of those things that I mean, very likely, probably not just because it's on Disney Plus. And I mean, if you have Disney Plus, what's a sense of buying it? But I mean, I could justify buying this film just because I know it would not be the last time. And I mean, obviously the hope is if I'm going to have kids down the road, I mean, it's, I would love to be able to share this with them too, because I think not only is there some really great messages in this film, but I don't have to worry about, is it too much for like, it's challenging to them to be able to like understand and see human interaction and human relationships on a different level. Um, but it's, I, I think it's a great teaching tool, and I think it's just a really fun film, man. It's my again, um, as close to perfect as I think you could really get, given what they had as far as budget goes as well. My daughter is a really big fan of this movie to the point where I told her last night that I had to, I, I mentioned in front of her, I should say, that I had to watch this movie. And she goes, Daddy, I want to watch it with you. <laughs> I was like, 
okay. <laughs> yep, here we go. That's awesome. No, it's I, I would definitely do that again. Uh, the nice thing is we're going to have an opportunity at some point to watch another film, except now I think we've set the bar so high, we are all going to be Greg next time we watch anything. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so... Closing out, uh, high recommend from all three of us. If you have not seen it, it's on Disney Plus. Um, go go watch the movie; you're gonna like it. Just prepare to smile and try not to get mad over artistic liberties of uh, the story, because honestly, it's just a fun story. Just yeah. sit down and watch and, and smile. Yeah. Um. So. Mr. Jonathan came up with a topic this week that he wanted to talk about mascots. Um, not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. It was kind of a conversation in passing this week is that we were kind of, Oh, Greg, I'm so sorry. It was rooted in Funkos where we started discussing, like one of the things we're keeping is the mascot selection that we have. And it came down to the fact that we, (laughs) We don't have Richard. I'm so sorry. I, I know this is about to just cause your blood pressure to skyrocket. So Greg's going to be real happy. Um, we started talking and the only one that we're missing in our collection currently is Clark because we have the Blue Jays. We have the Blackhawks. We have the Reds, the White Sox. Don't have anything Packers. Don't think it matters. But we've been we one of our collections that Ashley and I have shared has been our mascots that we have for the Funko series. And we started talking. I was like, I don't think I really want to have Clark. She's like, why? I was like, dude doesn't wear pants. That's creepy to me. And her response, maybe not verbatim, I might jazz and season this up a little bit, was how can you not like Clark when you have that creepy looking red legs mascot sitting on your shelf? (gasps) I was like, I was like, what do you mean? She's like, look at the mustache. You're worried about a bear without pants? That dude owns a van with tinted windows. She didn't say that. I'm just adding it for effect. But essentially she said, like, Mr. Redlegs is actually the creepiest mascot that she's ever seen. Okay. (laughs) Okay, first off. There's so many people listening to this podcast right now that are like, click, 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 click. At, I'm not going to give you her Twitter handle just in case. I mean, if you follow me, you could probably find it. I'm not going to give it either because I don't want to get her mad at me. I think I think I already did with my CrossFit jokes. Uh, no, she's a so, fan of yours. She hates CrossFit. She just okay. says she likes it to drive me nuts. That's why okay. she. That's her comment to you about CrossFit was because she's like, "Oh, this is driving JD nuts." I'm so glad we're talking about this. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, I'm going to use it right now. Fuck all y'all. That's where we're at. <laughs> but seriously, let, let let's touch on this. Clark is a Cubs mascot. Mm -hmm. So therefore, Clark is a pantsless child. What? A cub is a bear. A child bear. A kid bear. Their mascot is a pantsless child bear. A bear child? Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm just saying, like, that is creepy. Uh, yeah but mr redlegs this is like the this is the equivalent for our podcast of like but her emails but his mustache (laughs) 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 
No, um, it, the thing is, Mr. Redlegs can definitely present be presented as looking a little bit psychotic. See, I've never um, found that. Mr. Red? I, a hundred percent. I That mascot, something's not right. It's the same well, thing with Mr. Met. I don't like either one of them. They look like carbon, and it's it's the creep. I don't know, man. It looks like Guillermo del Toro came up with their faces. That's how offset I am with that. What's kind of funny about it is, you know, Mr. Redlegs uh, was the old Mr. Red. Yeah. You know, M- Mr. Red in the, like, I want to say 50s when that kind of became a thing was, had the mustache, you know, wore the old timey uniforms, blah, 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 because it wasn't old timey then it was current. Yeah. Um, and then Mr. Redlegs slash Red slash didn't exist at the time, Rosie, just went away. Like they were gone. My entire childhood, Mr. Red didn't exist. Right. Uh, and then he was brought back in, I want to say the late 90s, early 2000s. I couldn't tell you the exact. I feel like I'm pretty sure it was, I want to say mid 90s. Uh, I'm just curious as I'm looking here. <laughs> Mm, 97. But I mean, this, it, it brings up an interesting subject where it's there is no shortage of mascots that probably shouldn't exist that belong in the Nightmare Fuel Hall of Fame. But what I am curious about, it's easy for us who are, despite our misgivings and <laughs> utter dissatisfaction with our team, Greg. Yeah. Do you have any mascots that come to mind that you wish just were never brought into existence? All of them. <laughs> hey, get, hold on, Johnny. You, you have to look at this picture. I don't think I ever saw this version of Mr. Red. This is Mr. Red circa 2005. I, I'm not going to look at that. you you got to look at it. It is straight up nightmare fuel. No, I no. I already have my nightmare fuel selections. I want to know what Greg's are. Uh, none, because I don't care about them. <laughs> yeah, th- th- there's a reason why Greg took this as his bathroom break. Yep, what? I just got back. I'm good. I, I, I have to know. I have to know why why the why the mascot hate. I don't see the point of them. Okay. I mean, like, hey, I'm gonna make something that's supposed to hype up the crowd. Yeah, put it, put some random dude in a, a costume. Like I, I've literally ever since I was little, I like, why is he here? Uh, you have obviously never attended a game with my daughter. Oh, that's fine. But I mean, that, that's, that's great for her. But here's the thing. I didn't see a Reds game or until like I was like 10 or so. Like, cause I never went earlier. So I missed that section. So why, like, I'm 10 years old. Why is there a guy in a, a, a uniform, a, a random suit running around? That's yeah, literally my point of it. Well, you, did, you didn't see, as we were discussing, you didn't see Mr. Red when you were 10 years old because he didn't freaking exist. Right. He was gone. Um, well, I don't know. I, when did he leave? Uh, hold on. I've got his Wikipedia page pulled up here. Oh, God. There's that nightmare fuel again. Uh, the human version 73 mascot disappeared in the eighties for unknown reasons. Yeah. I don't remember when I, my first baseball 
game was. But yeah. But yeah, that's that's literally my whole point of mascots. I understand they're for kids and hyping up the crowd and stuff, but I ignore them. Like I literally don't see the point. Johnny's quiet right now. He's muted. I know that's the best part. Greg, Greg's about to go full MJF here in about two seconds. <laughs> I literally just like what's like explain to me. I understand the kids, right? If the game is not dedicated specifically designed for kids to watch, why still have them? Because kids are the ones that have the toughest time just focusing on the sport. I think it's more for the parents to make sure that they can stay for the entirety of the game. Why, yeah, why, why I, would I put on, here's another thing. If I'm the Reds, why would I care if they stayed the whole whole game? Yeah, you already well because the longer they they are there, the more likely they are to spend money. Yep, that's and it's not even just that. It's also, yeah, you know, I've I've been there with Julie when she has gotten unruly and we've had to leave in like the fourth inning because uh, I took her when she was like real little, um, and. You know, when you're thinking about doing that again, like let's let's say that you have to leave in the fourth or fifth inning and it comes up to the next, you know, the next time you're thinking about going, it's like, well, shit, why should we even bother going if we have to leave in the fourth or fifth inning? Yeah. Um, so it's a marketing thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's okay. it, they, I mean, they're not there to improve the on field experience. They're like <laughs> anything else that's going on. It's, you know, they're the same reason why you have big video boards in the outfield and why they play Mr. Red races in the in between innings and everything else. They're there to try to try to keep the crowd engaged. <laughs> they when... don't trust your attention span. So let's put up the squirrel signs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're they're no different than the sausage races in Milwaukee or the um or the races of the presidents in Washington. Washington. It's, it's 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 all just trying to help keep people's attention when there is not action going on on the field. I I don't it's I don't know. If if you're gonna do it, here's my main thing. If you're gonna do a mascot, don't make it something that's going to emotionally scar the people that are there. It's not hard. I don't want to see a weird googly-eyed Christmas tree. Stanford. We don't need it. Nobody wants it. Oh, also, New Orleans Pelicans. Your king cake, baby? Stop. Stop that shit ten years ago before you even exist. Richard's about to look up this mascot. Richard's about I, to be I'm... real upset. All-time worst mascot. Your opinion, Richard. Um, are we talking about just sports teams? I, I don't care what it is. The scariest mascot you've ever seen in your life. That's a good question. Um, honestly, off the top of my head, I, I, I kind of want to go towards like one of the random corporate mascots, like the giant bag of groceries from Kroger. Um, the the one that I find to be really kind of funny is I, I know that he's like an internet hero or whatever, but gritty. Right. Gritty is you ugly. Shut Not your yet. dirty Obviously. whore mouth about gritty. He's the leader of the revolution, Richard. <laughs> but the look on his face just makes you laugh. Cause like you he, support he, him. Cause he's anti-fascist. <laughs> 
Like, Gritty <laughs> should be, like, the worst-looking mascot of all time. But the fact with how big his eyes are, he just looks constantly surprised. And it's just like, okay, you know what? I accept it. So do you know the story about why Gritty is? Uh, they were like, I got a great idea to go viral. No, hang on. So, Greg, you might actually appreciate this a little bit. Okay. So the NHL went to the Flyers. The Flyers have never had a mascot. They 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 don't like you. They didn't see the point. It's their whole their whole brand is the Broad Street bullies. They were a team in the 70s and they just beat the shit out of people on the ice. And that has always been their brand. They're also located on Broad Street. So it just it was one of those like very serendipitous things that which you love developed organically. So when the NHL came to them and they're like, we need you to have a mascot. They're like, we don't want one. They're like, too bad. You're having a mascot. You have 12 months. So they had to, they came up with the most middle finger creation of a mascot they could come up with that was ugly. It didn't look good. They, they just, it was like Sam Raimi and Spider-Man 3. It was, you're going to make me put venom in this. I'm going to burn this place to the ground on my way out. And that's, <laughs> that's where, that's literally where Gritty came from. But then he became the face of like this anti-authoritarian subculture of sports fandom. And he's become like a cult icon because of it. And the thing well, is, I, I love it. And he's had moments where like, he's he's been he's he's been in the news for some not great things that he has done because he just doesn't give a and i don't think the flyers do either they're like if you're going to force us to do this you're welcome this is what you get it's it's because quite frankly of the look on his face (laughs) the the look on his face is one of constant surprise and shock and yeah, it's it's hard to say that with like you know most mascots, the look on their face is like a consistent smile, or whatever. Um, but it's how big his eyes are and the placement of the dots on his eyes, where it's just like, oh god, what the hell? Uh, and as long as we're talking about you know awful ass mascots. Uh, I would like to thank the Giants for bringing crazy crap into this world. <laughs> um, if you have not had a chance to look up crazy crab in the Giants, um, it's not what I would call a good time. Greg, I just linked you a video of the best of for Gritty, just in case you want to have a look, because it is preposterous. Nice. Uh, no, Richard, you're not wrong with the... Uh... The crazy crab, but I still think the king cake baby takes the cake. I just did a Michael Scott. My my, how the turntables have turned. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna throw that right up there. I think king cake baby is probably the worst mascot ever given to society. We, okay, we, yeah, we don't need that now. We don't need that ever. Um, flip side of that, Richard, who's your favorite mascot? Uh, I mean, this is relatively pointless to say at this point, but uh, I, to be completely honest, it's probably Mr. Redlegs. I was, I was like, come on, say gritty. Say gritty. It's a love-hate. I love him. I hate him. He's gritty. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Redlegs, that's fair. Um, I feel like they need to 
limit. One mascot is enough. I don't need the races on the field. I don't need six or seven mascots per team. It's unnecessary. I'm going to have to go with the original, man. I got to go with the Philly Fanatic. Okay. I just, he's, he's one of the only ones where some of the crap that he does to like troll the fans is still funny to me. Like, I think it's obnoxious. I don't want to really be involved with it. I, I'm indifferent to mascots. I don't dislike them. I see where Greg's coming from and I could probably agree more with him that we don't necessarily need it. I think the focus stops being what you're actually there for, but if we're trying to just have a good time and it's fun and the kids like it, great. Whatever's going to stop them from those Vuvus Velas and noise and thunder sticks and all that crap, whatever's going to keep the kids distracted and quiet, we're good. Let's go. That's fine. But yeah, I'll go Philly Fanatic, man. I mean, it's he's classic. I still love it. I Gritty's... I don't know, man. I got to put Gritty at like 1B. Grit, here's the thing. Like I said, Gritty, Gritty's ugly as sin. Kind of scary <laughs> looking. But Gritty is incredibly memeable. And he is at a point where way past any other mascot. Um, so, like, as much as I think Gritty is ugly and all that other stuff, Gritty is still entertaining, which is the point of a mascot. Gritty represents all of us and how we feel about society. We are Gritty. <laughs> I am Gritty. There we go. Uh, don't want to circle the drain on this a whole lot. I can tell Greg's just looking for any reason to vacate and hit the eject button to parachute to the ground away from this episode this week. Greg, I'm so sorry. Um, I, I hope I can remedy this uh, with my recommendation going into next week. My recommendation for next week is going to be a new series on HBO Max by the title of Lovecraft Country, featuring oh starring God. Journey Smollett. Um, the CG wasn't my favorite, but I, I had some anxiety during that episode. And it was not, yes, kind of in the vein. You've seen Get Out, correct? No. Oh, you, you haven't seen Get Out? Interesting. I've watched parts of it, but I don't like scary movies, so I avoid it. Oh, okay, then. So Greg's not going to watch Lovecraft Country. Uh, I watched the first episode, so no, I'm not watching it again. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I didn't know you didn't like scary stuff. I've never liked scary stuff. <laughs> I am the worst co-host on this show. I am, there is nothing redeeming about the fact that I asked Greg to watch that show. <laughs> you took well, me to see the gift, Greg. I know. I don't but, think you expected that to be the way it was either. Yeah, that was, I think it was the last scary movie I watched. Well, hold on. I like, I don't, I don't like gratuitous scary movies. I like, mm-hmm. like thrillers. Yeah. No, I thought the gift was supposed to be a thriller. Which I, I was wrong think, on that I one. I think the gift was a thriller. Okay, good. So I, I thought I was wrong on that, but that's fine. Um, but like a quiet place, right? That's more my speed of scary. Yeah. Something that could possibly happen, but I don't want to watch the purge or any of that crap. So like the first 35, 45 minutes of that TV show was probably more of what you could cope with. Because there was right. some definite like when the cop pulled up while they were pulled off to the side of the road. Oh yeah. The like, tension, that part was great. 
so that's that's more i did not expect it to go the route that it did after that oh neither did i i was as soon as it got stopped i'm like boop then hold on the second time i'm like i'm done click i just closed it do we have a new contender in hollywood for the best legitimate person running in a film to rival tom cruise because journey (laughs) smollett running through the woods in that episode in heels was damn impressive. Yeah. That was... I, I thought it was great TV. I was very shocked at the left turn, which I should have expected. If you've ever read H.P. Lovecraft, you know what his genre is rooted in. I did not expect them to do that right away. But it makes sense, because that was the free episode. I know right now I'm pretty sure you can watch it, even if you don't have HBO Max. I'm pretty sure on the website... You can watch episode one for free right now. Um, man, I, I, I can't wait. I'm excited for the next episode tomorrow. I will not make you watch it again, Greg. Okay. Uh, what was the one that you had for a recommendation on Apple TV? Oh, <laughs> Ted Lasso. Okay. Um, it's if you, this, There was an old commercial um, for the Premier League about six or seven years ago where they had an American football coach come over and try to coach the Tottenham Hotspurs. So an EPL team. So it's just, it's hilarious. The commercials are hilarious, but they actually turned it into a show. So it's the same premise in a sense that you, except for he's like a D2 football, like a American football coach. And they had him come over and be the coach of AFC Richmond. Okay. I think it was Richmond. And, but it has kind of a, a major league vibe to it. Right. So if the major league, the movie that is. Yep. So it's just one of those things that it's, it's just my current jam right now. Okay. I want the, there's only four episodes out right now and they do a new one every Friday. And I, I really like the, the coach beard and a couple of the other guys and the way that it works. Yeah. It's kind of paint by numbers as far as how the story's going to go, but that's fine. Okay. Perfect. I thought it was a really neat movie or neat show to watch. And I really love um, Jason Sudeikis. So that'll be your recommendation for everyone to watch for next week. Yeah. If you want some just random, you know, British style comedy. Oh, who doesn't love British style? guy? Yeah. Nope. If you don't like whatever, doesn't matter. Fantastic. You, you actually just sold me based on that. But I think you and I have always, I think all three of us have actually always been like, Basically, if you like Monty Python, you're going to understand the sense of humor for all three of us. Right. Uh, Richard, what's your recommendation going into next week, man? Uh, That's a great question. Uh, I am going to go with Lucifer Season 5 on Netflix. Ooh, the reason I could not fall asleep. I only made it through a couple episodes last night. Yep. Um, I have enjoyed what we've gotten thus far. Uh, I am looking forward to making it through the rest of season five, part one this weekend. Yep. Uh, and I think that a lot of our other listeners will be as well. What are we, uh, what are we all watching to review for next week, guys? Uh, Greg, why don't you pick something, buddy? Oh, (laughs) dude, I haven't picked them. I haven't, I've been trying to find a movie to watch. The new I, Bill and Ted is five days out. Oh, I ain't watching that shit. 
I didn't. I watched the first one, and that's pretty much it. I will be watching the new villain Ted, but I don't blame Greg on not. I, it just, yeah. <laughs> I need another choice here because I've been literally trying to find a movie to watch. Um, how about a mini series? Is there any mini series that you haven't watched in a while that would be nice for us to drop back on and have a look at and give our thoughts? I was Don't debating. Give me a whole Don't give me oh, a whole series, oh, I've got something. What? But it's it's Greg's turn. No, let Richard go <laughs> on this one. It does not come out on Netflix until the twenty eighth. Okay. Uh, so you could probably watch an episode or two between then and uh, when we record on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Cobra Kai. Oh, oh God. damn it. I didn't watch the first couple seasons. Exactly. <laughs> it is the first couple seasons. They they have only been pre- available on YouTube Premium previously, and they are hitting Netflix on Friday. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say something. I have YouTube Premium, and I didn't watch it. <laughs> because I'm grandfathered in with like YouTube Music and all that crap. Google Music. So that just means you can get a jump on it. Oh, God. I could. Uh, no, so my other suggestion is, uh, I'm not sure if you all have noticed, I, I just happened to a couple days ago, but the first three Jurassic Park movies have hit Netflix. Nice. And being as we're apparently already reviewing old shit with um, The Greatest Showman. I'm not watching two or three, man. How about, uh, how about original Jurassic Park? That. I'll watch that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's the problem with two? It was made. <laughs> so, it exists. <laughs> Your same mean, argument three, for gritty. Three, same three argument for gritty. Three wasn't great, but I, I enjoyed it was, two. This is so bad. That movie a, is so boring, dude. Like but, it was Yeah. Well well, don't worry. I'm I'm gonna write notes this week. <laughs> I'll watch one and two, and I'm coming with notes for two. Greg can just kick back, put his feet up. I got this. Yep. Just remember, this is your fault, Richard. What happens is your responsibility. Yes, you will enjoy a movie. I'll enjoy Jurassic Park. I will enjoy eviscerating Jurassic Park 2. Oh. <laughs> um. Yep. Okay, well, I, I I just texted you and said I'll, I'll call you back in a minute. Oh, no. Yeah, and we're gonna have to cut that. Okay. Yeah. Right. Bye. All right. <laughs> 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 right. I thought I muted that. Nope. I was like, oh, he did not put the mute button on because I was getting ready. I was like, okay, I can transition this towards the end of the show. Blah 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 blah. And uh, you're going to sit back and you're going to enjoy me shredding apart Jurassic Park 2. Like a velociraptor on Samuel L. Jackson. Okay. Um, uh, we didn't you know get a chance to get into the tech side of things this week. I think that'll be a good... We'll make sure that we make time for that on the next episode. So if anyone's listening, just just so you know, if you have any questions about... Home networking, stuff like that. We're going to give you some tips and hints moving into the fall. 
outside of that, gentlemen, how can the folks get a hold of us between now and next week's episode? At Richard Versus. At Woe Gregory. Uh, you can get a hold of myself at Johnny Rudo on Twitter or Versus Podcast with an underscore at the end to get a hold of Richard or I through the podcast. Richard is handling the Facebook page. Outside of that, Jurassic Park 2 sucks. Richard, send him home. Have a good week, everybody.